Hello, my friends. So much going on in the war between Israel and Hamas. A feature interview with Joel Pollack, senior editor-at-large of Breitbart.com. We'll also have clips of what's going on, including the missile, the Islamic Jihad rocket that struck a Gaza hospital. I'd like you to see that with your own eyes, so you need to get the video version. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe, eight bucks a month. You get my show every weeknight and Sheila's show weekly. And that eight bucks might not sound like a lot to you, but it adds up for us. It's how we pay the bills. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, a rocket hits a hospital in Gaza, but who shot it? And Joe Biden is set to arrive in Israel as the violence heats up. It's October 17th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. news and foreign affairs, and it does affect us here at home, a war overseas. We are no longer immune to those things, especially since we have so many people in Canada cheering for a terrorist group. That's not an abstraction. That is the reality of every big city in this country. Of course, Canada does have a liberal democratic ally in the region, Israel, but Justin Trudeau has never much been a fan of Israel, and he courts the pro-Hamas vote. We're going to go through the news of the day and the news of tomorrow with our first and only guest today, Joel Pollack, senior editor-at-large at Breitbart.com. He recently joined me and about 40 rebel enthusiasts on a trip to Israel, a peace trip. We called it a trip to celebrate the Abraham Accords. We started in Israel for a week, then we went to the Muslim country of the United Arab Emirates, and we celebrated the peace deal that Trump made, a peace deal that is unraveling, I fear, although... The United Arab Emirates seems to be standing with Israel. And joining us now is Breitbart senior editor at large, Joel Pollack, who joins us from the L.A. area. Joel, very momentous day today. Uh, a tremendous controversy just before we decided to film this interview. A What was called by Hamas an Israeli attack on a hospital in Gaza was widely reported around the world as that, as if Israel would deliberately attack or even accidentally attack a hospital killing hundreds. Within moments, every mainstream media outlet picked that up, including Justin Trudeau, who thought before even verification, he would immediately opine on the subject. Here's Trudeau um, making an instant appearance, not even waiting for confirmation. Take a look. The uh, news coming out of, uh, of Gaza is uh, horrific and absolutely unacceptable. Um, international humanitarian and, and international law needs to be respected uh, in, in this and in all cases. There are rules around wars and it's not acceptable. They is the hospital body? Well, within an hour, uh, the facts emerged that it was actually much more likely, given video evidence, a rocket launched by a terrorist group, not Hamas, but the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. What an incredible turn of events on the eve of Joe Biden's visit to Israel. Joining us now again is Joel Pollack. Joel, what do you make of the whipsaw news and then countervailing facts about this uh, explosion at a major hospital in Gaza? 
Well, I'm going to quibble with your choice of the word uh, unexpected or uh, unanticipated or uh, remarkable turn of events. There's nothing remarkable about this. This happens every time Israel is forced to defend itself against these terror organizations. They wait until there's some large number of civilian casualties, and then they cry foul and they appeal to the world to intervene and to stop Israel from fighting anymore. And this is part of the pattern we've seen going back decades. But the fact is that these rockets fired by Palestinian terror groups often misfire. In the 2021 war, or conflict, you could say, between Israel and Hamas, 20% of the rockets fired by Hamas landed inside the Gaza Strip, did not even hit their Israeli civilian targets, by the way. I should say that all these rockets fired by Palestinian groups are aimed at Israeli civilians. When Israel fires at Palestinian terror groups, they're targeting terrorists, not civilians. But 20% of all the Hamas rockets two years ago fell inside the Gaza Strip. And... In 2022, when there was another exchange of fire, this time with another group also backed by Iran, but it's called Palestinian Islamic Jihad, 30% of all the Palestinian casualties were caused by misfires, rockets that were aimed at Israeli civilians but hit Palestinians instead. That is the pattern because they're firing unguided rockets in the general direction of Israel, but they're doing so in a very rushed way. They hide these rockets underneath buildings and in tunnels, and then they bring them out quickly, they fire them, and then they run away again. So this is a very crude way of attacking Israel. Unfortunately, it's been very effective in terrorizing the Israeli population, but it is how the Palestinians operate, and they don't care if they kill their own civilians because the world has the same knee-jerk reaction that Justin Trudeau did, which is that it must be Israel's fault. Now, there are many who are going to say that even if this is a Palestinian rocket, it's still Israel's fault because how can you fire at Palestinian targets in highly uh, densely populated civilian areas? Well, first of all, it's a violation of international law for Palestinians to put rockets and to put combatants in densely populated civilian areas. So that's not Israel's fault. And that doesn't stop Israel under international law from going after those legitimate military targets. It just means that Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad or whoever, those are the responsible ones for the civilian casualties. And then the broader question is really this. If you don't think Israel should be fighting back at all, then what would you suggest Israel do in response to 1,400 murdered Israelis, 4,100 wounded Israelis, 200 hostages taken to Gaza? Are you then saying that there's no way Israel can fight back? Israel is fighting back. It has the right, and as President Joe Biden helpfully pointed out, it has the duty, actually, to fight back because there are also international legal obligations that require countries to stop genocide. And it's clear that Hamas is determined on achieving the genocide of Israelis and the genocide of Jews. You can see that from the brutal way that they killed their victims. They didn't just storm a military post, make their point and go home. They spread out far and wide and they killed as many civilians, men, women, children, young, old as they possibly could. They raped women. They tortured their victims. They took people back to Gaza and are now holding them hostage. I mean, this is the kind of violence we haven't seen since the Holocaust or the Rwandan genocide. So Israel has a duty, actually, to go after Hamas. And Hamas started this war. They've placed Palestinians at risk in doing so. They knew they would. This is the same pattern, war after war, conflict after conflict. These terrorist organizations, whether Palestinian terrorists or the Lebanese terror group known as Hezbollah, same modus operandi. They basically put their rockets in mosques, next to schools, underneath hospitals, 
And they hope that if Israel targets their fighters or their terrorists or their weapons and equipment, that they will also hit a number of the civilians that these terrorist groups claim to be representing. I think it's pretty clear now that it was a rocket. Uh, originally, there was some question, was it a Hamas rocket or a Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket? We've seen different video released from the Israeli side, but now also it appears that Al Jazeera was filming the rocket that was launched and that went awry. And then I just saw more footage uh, from a third angle taken from the ground. So I, I think it's pretty much incontrovertible now, given that you have Israeli sources Al Jazeera and other on the ground sources. Um, but you had a very interesting tweet. I'm going to read it. And this was before um, the facts came out. You said, Gaza hospital probabilities, my guesses. And I'm just reading your tweet. You said, Hamas rocket misfire, 60% chance. Hamas deliberate fire, 20% chance. Israel fire nearby hits Hamas weapons at hospital, 15%. Israel misfire, 5% Israel deliberate fire, 0%. And I don't think anyone could disagree with your stats. Simply put, the reason why this is such news is because if it were true that Israel did this, it would be a failure from it by Israel militarily. Israel does not target civilians, but it would be such a win for Hamas because it would it would lower Israel's morality closer to their deliberate attacking of civilians. I, I, I just think it, anyone who thought this was deliberate, I, th I, I don't think anyone really would. I don't even think Hamas, I don't even think the most rabid anti-Semites in the world would think that Israel would do this deliberately. They would probably think, oh, look how sloppy they are, or they shouldn't be doing this. But I, I just wonder if we're going to get an apology and a retraction from Trudeau and all the others who immediately thought the worst or the second worst of things. What do you think? Well, the reason that I calculated my probabilities, and it wasn't a very sophisticated calculation, but it's just based on experience, having covered these conflicts and watched these patterns for many years. The reason is that Israel has zero interest in targeting a hospital. We've never seen Israel deliberately target hospitals before. They've certainly had many opportunities. There's good reason for them to want to go after some hospitals if they, if they were inclined to do so, because the uh, Hamas leaders are known to live underneath one of the biggest hospitals in Gaza. I believe it's called Al-Shifa Hospital. If Israel wanted to wipe out the Hamas leadership, they could have done so long ago by targeting that hospital, but they haven't done it. Israel doesn't target hospitals. Hospitals are not legitimate targets, but that's why Hamas hides there, again, in violation of international law. But the number one reason Israel doesn't target hospitals, or wouldn't in this case, is that they know that the international community would be outraged. And that's the only thing that could stand in the way of Israel defeating Hamas. Israel does not want anything to stand in the way of its war effort. It has incredible motivation to get rid of Hamas, and there's incredible internal political pressure from the Israeli public that their government should get rid of this terrorist organization as soon as possible, given the outrageous and atrocious terror attack that Israelis have endured. So there's no reason for Israel to attack the hospital. It would stop the Israeli war, potentially. And that's why it's a zero percent probability. We've just seen these Palestinian rocket misfires so often. And again, I'm not sure it's a misfire. I mean, I put it at a lower probability that it was deliberately done by Palestinian groups, but it's not beyond them to do it. Remember, these are terrorists who are preventing their own civilians from leaving the war zone. They're perfectly comfortable 
with their own Palestinian civilians dying. And, you know, they invented suicide bombing practically. I, I'm, I'm aware it started uh, elsewhere in Sri Lanka, but essentially they, they perfected suicide bombing and they made it their own. They made it their trademark. And the whole hallmark of suicide bombing is that you're willing to give up your life and the life of Arabs and Muslims around you as long as you can take out some lives of Jews and Israelis. And, and, and by the way, just to that point, there were some 40 or so Arab Muslims in Israel who were killed by these terrorists on October 7th. There were Israeli Arab citizens who were heroes who saved many lives, driving wounded people away from the music festival that was being targeted by Hamas, for example, uh, rescuing the wounded. And, and some of them paid for that with their lives. There, there are many uh, stories in the Israeli media about Arabs who, who sacrificed themselves to save the Jewish Israelis. Paradoxically, this entire conflict since the terror attack has brought Israeli Jews and Arabs closer together. So I think the will to, to have peace eventually is there. But Hamas and Iran need these uh, confrontations. And Justin Trudeau may think he's earning some kind of uh, politically correct credibility with, with perhaps uh, left-wing constituencies by coming out and condemning Israel. But all he's doing is making peace more difficult to achieve. You know, George Orwell said in the Second World War, and I'm paraphrasing only slightly, he said, in the long run, you do more damage to people not uh, by calling them names and bringing up children to believe lies than you do by bombing them. By bombing your enemy, you're striking against one generation. But by poisoning people's minds with lies and teaching children to hate, you're poisoning generations into the future. And that's what the Palestinian propagandists have done. And that's what, unfortunately, Justin Trudeau is doing when he claims that Israel has bombed a hospital or he lends any credibility to that before there's been an investigation. I think he's just trying to show that he has some empathy for Palestinian civilian lives. That's not hard to do. The Israeli government is showing empathy. By the way, the most important and most effective thing one could do to save Palestinian civilians would be to get rid of Hamas. Israel did not get rid of Hamas in previous conflicts because of this kind of international pressure, and they lost a thousand plus civilians as a result. They now understand that they have to save their own civilians and they have to save Palestinian civilians because Palestinian civilians are killed in this endless effort by Hamas to kill Israelis and the Israeli response to it. If you get rid of Hamas, then you get rid of these attacks. So the most important and, and best thing in the long run, if you just play the strict crude numbers game, probably the most effective way to save civilians is just to get rid of the terrorist groups that's, that are sponsoring these wars. You know, I follow a lot of conflicts, especially the ones where Canada or the United States or other Western countries are involved. So that would include, for example, Afghanistan. It would include the war in Iraq. It would include the brief war uh, to depose Muammar Gaddafi that I think was a disaster for the whole world, by the way. And I do not recall in those wars or even other wars, where even going back to the 80s, because uh, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, Joel, whether it was the Falkland Islands War or uh, the, Pan the brief Panama War or or when Ronald Reagan struck Gaddafi in the Gulf of Sidra. Like, I, like I, I have been interested in conflict, I, I suppose, for 40 years. Other than Israel, I am completely at a loss for an example where the media focused with great interest and obsession and moral resolve on collateral casualties by civilians. I'm not saying that it was heartless, but... 
when you know Operation Desert Storm began, or or when any of the wars I've just mentioned, there were enormous numbers of civilian casualties, and that's just how wars are. And and I'm certainly not at all saying that America or the UK or Canada deliberately did any of those things, but tens of fifty thousand civilians at least died in Afghanistan. Uh, the count for Iraq is estimated over a million, um, half a million in Korea, and I just. I mean, oh, you could go back to the Second World War, the firebombings of Dresden and Tokyo, the nuclear detonations in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I can't think of any war where the media was so gotcha. Uh-huh, you killed a civilian, you have lost all your moral cause in this war. I just can't think of any other case. Even, even recently in, in Yemen or, or other wars in Africa, it's only Israel that is held to this perfect... As if, as if war in 2023 is perfectly harmless to civilians, other than the 1,400 Israelis who were killed. Can you think of another war where even America is held to these standards? I can't. Well, the flip side of that is that there's no other case in which one side can kill civilians from the other side and it will be excused. I mean, deliberately kill. So you have over 1,400 Israelis murdered and... America's leading intellectuals have signed a letter in the New York Review of Books describing it as Palestinians breaking out from Gaza. That's how they describe this uh, terror attack. The deliberate murder of over a thousand Israeli civilians and soldiers is described as perfectly okay within the context of resistance. They're called resistance fighters. They're called freedom fighters. People march in the streets and on college campuses shouting free Palestine, and they don't pay any real price for that, except lately at Harvard, there are some donors pulling out and there are some uh, efforts to name and shame those who signed letters supporting Hamas and blaming the murder and rape on Israel when Israel, of course, was the victim. There is an anti-Semitism here, and it's just this idea that Jews are okay as victims but are not allowed to defend themselves. And so the Jewish right of self defense is actually conditional. And that's why Israel has to be perfect. We're okay if you defend yourself as long as that doesn't involve killing anybody. Hmm. Well, according to the laws of war, it's a war crime to put your military assets, in this case, Hamas's rockets and weapons and so forth, in a heavily populated civilian area. It's a war crime to do that when you know that targeting, I'm not talking about a sort of military office like the Pentagon. I mean, the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. is in a urban area. And, you know, presumably in a war, it would be a target. But in that kind of a war, you know, probably any American city would be a target. And, and certainly in the Second World War, as you mentioned, there were cities that were targets. Germany bombed London and not just military targets in London and bombed London, people of London. My grandmother grew up during the Blitz in London. And, and you know, so th in that kind of war, you know, when there's a legitimate military target, the, the rules are a little bit more, all, uh, more sort of, um, broad in terms of what they, they do allow in war. You, you can't target something deliberately just to harm civilians, but if there's a legitimate military target, maybe uh, you know in that kind of nuclear exchange, let's say, between the U.S. and China, they would say, well, the Pentagon is a mil legitimate military target. But, but you can't put uh, weapons and uh, terrorists or combatants in places where you know that you're placing civilians at risk and you're using those civilians as shields. And that's how Hamas, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, that's how they operate. They're all committing war crimes and they're violating the laws of war. Israel is not. Israel doesn't target hospitals. 
And by the way, you know, it's, there are other tactics that, that they use, the terrorists use like this as well. They've put explosives inside ambulances to smuggle them through checkpoints and things like that. They're, they're, they're very willing to break the laws of war if it results in more dead Israelis and more dead Jews. I want to shift gears a bit. I know you're very pressed for time. You've got a lot to write for Breitbart.com. But tomorrow, Joe Biden is scheduled to arrive in Israel. Today, the German Chancellor Scholz was there. And there were these images of a rocket attack when he was at the airport and his entourage scrambling. Take a look at this. It appears that Biden is intent on arriving in the Middle East. It'll be interesting to see if Hamas lobs missiles uh, when he is, when his plane is coming in. That would be quite something. You do have uh, the aircraft carrier groups. One of them, I think, is closer than the other. Um, I have this terrible premonition that, that Biden is basically showing up to tell Israel to stop fighting. And I have this, and, it, and I've said this, I admit this sounds conspiratorial. But you don't use F-35s for taking out things. I mean, like, America's not going to use its, its jet aircraft to go after anything in Gaza. There's a chance, I suppose, it could attack Hezbollah in Lebanon. I think maybe it's there in some sort of show of just telling everyone to cool down. But my dark theory, and this is pure speculation, but it's part of me that's worried, Biden and his predecessor, Obama, were absolutely in the tank for Iran. They 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 lifted sanctions on Iran. They gave billions of dollars to Iran. They they winked at Iran's atrocities. And I actually think and fear that those aircraft carriers are not there just to deter Turkey or Iran or or things like that, because there's no air force in the region that that could that could compete with Israel's air force. I don't think. I think the American aircraft carriers are there to say to Israel, don't you dare try taking out Hamas's leaders in Qatar. Don't you dare try taking out Iran's leaders in Tehran or the nukes. I think it's actually there to tell Israel, now shut up and sit down and do what we say. That's my fear. And no, I know that sounds can't. absurd to say, but that's Biden. Well, I, we don't know because we've never seen the U.S. involved at this level. But the sources I'm talking to say that the United States is taking this conflict very seriously because there are American interests at stake and they're there to support Israel, but they're also there to confront Iran. And this isn't just about Israel for the United States. Israel is not Ukraine and Israel is not getting this kind of support just because the United States likes Israel. There's a much bigger uh, there, there are many bigger interests and goals at stake here. And so I don't think they're there to deter Israel at all. Although I do wonder whether some of the humanitarian conditions that Biden has insisted on, apparently, might hamper the fight against Hamas in Gaza. We'll see. But I do take the president at his word, and I'm glad that he has finally adopted President Donald Trump's policy of supporting Israel strongly, rather than the policy Biden came into office with, 
which was to support the Palestinians, to give them funding. Well, how, to has he supported Israel, how has he supported Israel so far? I saw Antony Blinken visit the Qatari emir, and instead of saying, hand over the Hamas leaders, he said, I appreciate you facilitating a negotiation with Hamas. That's literally a tweet from Antony Blinken. He goes to Qatar to say, thank you, I appreciate you. Doesn't sound very supportive of Israel, doesn't sound very Trumpy to me. How has Biden shown any support for Israel? Well, the aircraft carriers, I think, as a deterrent against Hezbollah in Lebanon, deterrent against Iran as well. Uh, large plane loads full of munitions and weapons, promises of additional aircraft and other weaponry that Israel can use. He's also gone out rhetorically and alienated his own left-wing base by saying that Israel not just has, has not only the right, but the duty to respond to Hamas. We've never really seen a democratic administration in recent memory come out the way Trump did. And that's what Biden is doing. He's come out in, in his rhetoric sounding like Trump, saying that basically I'm going to let Israel do what it needs to do to fight. And, you know, in terms of Qatar, I mean, I have very urgent questions that I've been asking about why we allow Hamas to be sheltered in Qatar. Biden, by the way, declared Qatar an important non-NATO ally of the United States, if you can believe that. They're sheltering terrorists, but he doesn't need an aircraft carrier to protect those terrorists, if that's what we wanted to do. We've got U.S. military bases a stone's throw away from the five-star luxury accommodation that these terrorists are getting. So I think Biden was, I think, uh, excuse me, Blinken was really trying to reach out uh, only because there are Americans among the hostages, and he wants to see if there's any avenue for trying to get them out if Qatar can use its influence with Hamas. It used to fund Hamas. I don't think it does anymore, but um, at least not, not publicly. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just leave you with, with this thought. This war is going to take a long time. It's not going to be over quickly. Netanyahu said that from the very beginning. And when the ground invasion starts, and it will start, I think you'll start to see some of the same arguments we're seeing today. But I, I think that it's not going to matter. The Israeli people want this fight, not because they like war, but because they know that the choice is being murdered in their homes or risking their lives by fighting Hamas, and they've decided to risk their lives massive response to Israeli call-ups for reserves, something like 120% more reservists showed up than they requested. So massive response. All right. There you have it. Joel Pollack, senior editor-at-large at Breitbart.com, who was on our Abraham Accords peace mission very recently. It felt utopian that we were in this post-history, uh, you know, the end of history. And finally, the Jews and the Muslims and Arabs were making peace with each other. But alas, that was not to be. That's Joel joining us today. Well, we'll see how it goes tomorrow. I am more skeptical uh, of Joe Biden than our friend Joel is. I'm also more worried about a ground invasion of Gaza. It reminds me in every way of Stalingrad, the, uh, but in every nook and cranny, a, a booby trap or a sniper. And I, I just think it's a trap in a way. But what can you do? And even if you destroyed the twenty or 30,000 active Hamas terrorists, surely there's many more who will take their place. You can destroy the leadership. You can destroy everyone who's ever had a gun or fired a rocket, I suppose. But as Joel mentioned, they've been teaching hatred there for so long. They teach it starting in kindergarten. And so there is an entire generation of Gazans who have grown up with the diabolical belief that they can, should, and must attack Jews and slaughter them. Let me show you a clip from what they teach. I showed this to you before. Take a look.
في ناس بحبوا فلسطين بدهم يحاربوا وبضحوا بدمهم عشان عشان فلسطين انا بدي اهزمهم بالحرب بدي اهزمهم بعلمونا ان الاقصى لنا وقلنا يعني الحق يعني لنا فلسطين والاراضي كلها لنا لانه لانهم بسبب كذبهم وانتهاكاتهم انهم يقولون ان الهيكل تحت المسجد الاقصى ولا مره انه يكون الهيكل تحت المسجد الاقصى انا اقرا اليهود اه بعلمونا اه ان الصهيونيه هم اعدائنا وهم اهم شيء لازم يسووا فيهم عمليه يعني انهم بيعلمونا بالمدرسه انهم ارهابيين و بيحكوا لنا عن اليهود انهم هدول مش منيح وهدول بقتلوا قاعدين بشبابنا بيحكوا لنا بيحكوا لنا هدول غدارين وبيحكوا لنا انه هدول بغدرونا وهدول مش منيح اذا بد بطعن بدعس عليهم عمل عمليات الدعس العمليات الدعس عمليات الطعن والاشتباك المصالح في المخيمات ايش اكيد هدول العمليات ترفع الراس ولفلسطين العمليات هاي تاعت الدعس والسكاكين هاي ايش بيرفع الراس لفلسطين اذا بدك بطلع بستشهد عادي انا ان شاء الله اساعد الشباب وان شاء الله اصير مقاوم بالمستقبل مع الدوله الاسلاميه I don't know how this problem is solvable and Joel says that this is about staring down Hezbollah and Iran itself I would believe it if it were Trump, but I also know that Joe Biden, Anthony Blinken, and the rest of the uh, Biden and Obama administration before them have been on Iran's side. I, I am not as sanguine as Joel is, but hopefully I'm just being a little bit paranoid about things. I'm also worried about the home front in both Canada and the United States. I see that in Germany and France, pro-Hamas ralliers and rioters have been arrested in those countries, but not in the UK, despite the statement by Suella Braverman, the cabinet minister. And I don't see any move to do so in Canada or the United States as well. So I think that the violence of Hamas is being normalized, and we're seeing new limits now. The woke left, the student left, and the Islamist left are testing boundaries. What can they get away with now? For example, when we showed you, um, Lincoln Jay, our reporter who was in Ottawa, asked Omar al-Gabra, the former Trudeau cabinet minister, still an MP, if he would renounce the violence of Hamas, and he refused to do so. Here's the clip from yesterday. Take a look. My name's Lincoln Jay. I work with Rebel News. Just one quick question. Do you condemn the recent terrorist attacks committed by Hamas? Do you condemn the terrorist attacks committed by Hamas? Why do you think so many people here in Canada are trying to justify these terrorist attacks? You have no comment. You have no comment. Here's a clip from another reporter today putting the same questions to him. You ready to condemn Hamas terror attacks yet? We have all all along. Like you, Omar, willing to, willing to condemn that? Still not. And our children. 
Beats and fruit. Still not willing to condemn terrorist attacks. But why should he denounce Hamas? He got away with not denouncing Hamas. In fact, today he was very quick to tweet condemnation of Israel when it was alleged that Israel bombed the hospital. Not so quick. Uh, in fact, as, uh, as of now, he has not retracted his glee. I think that every Islamist and leftist in Canada and the United States are learning. They're learning what they can get away with in the public square, in their institutions, even in Parliament and even in the Liberal Party. I'm very worried about things. I think that it may be true that we're in a long battle, and I certainly think the worst is yet to come. We're covering this because it affects the Middle East. We're covering it because it feels like we've never been closer to World War III. Russia, China, Iran, Israel, America, all focused on that same piece of land. China, a bit from afar, but they've weighed in rhetorically, politically. Of course, there are reports yet to be confirmed that China was involved in some communications hacking that allowed uh, the Hamas terrorists to enter Israel in the first place. That's yet to be confirmed, but it rings true to me. Two aircraft carriers is a lot of uh, firepower. Will China take advantage while America is focused on Ukraine and Israel to make a move on Taiwan? I don't know. Joe Biden projects weakness. I don't think people take it seriously when he says anything because he's just reading a script prepared for him. I saw an unconfirmed report that in a briefing about Israel, Joe Biden actually confused Ukraine and Israel. I don't know if that report was accurate, but again, it rings true. He confuses things a lot. He confuses names, dates, places. He tells stories that weren't true. And he calls it a day sometimes before noon. I am worried about what's going to happen, not just in Israel, but the domino effects around the world. And I'm worried what's happening here. Putting aside the abstraction of foreign affairs, although they can certainly have an impact at home, God forbid, if we're drawn into World War III, there are people in our country, in Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, and other places, we have shown you with our own cameras, in all of those cities, there are people who fly the flag of terrorism with impunity and chant the chants of terrorism. Can you believe? Take a look. I'm not sure if I showed you this before. Here's someone who brought uh, a Taliban flag. I think we showed you that before. And here's someone who brought an Islamic Jihad flag to a rally in Mississauga. Who just happens to have those flags kicking around in their closet? Here's a Taliban flag. Yes, I'm not in Afghanistan. You are not in Afghanistan. You should understand this. Brother, yeah. Support. 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 Any comment for everybody on Twitter? What's going on? Bro, people are just emotional. That's <laughs> all I can say. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, are weird. I don't know what to say, bro. Those were Hamas activists telling the Taliban activists to go away. And here's the Islamic Jihad flag. Who just has that? And who's proud to wave that and knowing they'll do so with impunity? Take a look.
So you may say, why are you talking about a foreign conflict? Is this just Ezra because you're Jewish and you have a historical and religious affection for Israel? Well, I do have a connection to Israel, as I suppose Italian Canadians care about Italy or Irish Canadians care about Ireland. But there are people in our streets by the tens of thousands who are marching for terrorist groups, chanting terrorist chants, and using terrorist violent symbols, even while that's a crime under the criminal code. And we have people even in cabinet who abide this. So I think it's very much a Canadian issue. And I know that we're already having threats and vandalism and threats of assault and minor assaults already in the service of these pro-Hamas ideologies. And we see what can come with the terrorism in Brussels, where an Islamic terrorist went on a spree, shooting people, wasn't arrested for hours. Unfortunately, I can see that happening in Canada. If you have a million and a half unassimilated migrants to Canada who come from Muslim regimes where they glorify terrorism and demonize Jews, if you have one in a thousand people who take that seriously, and then one in a thousand of them who act on it, well, we've reached that point, and we have no attempts to denormalize that violence. I still have yet to see an imam or Muslim leader in Canada broadly denounce terrorism. I haven't seen it. We haven't seen it from the so-called anti-hate group. I note today that the Canadian Race Relations Foundation has been utterly silent. That was actually set up by Brian Mulroney and the Japanese-Canadian community in a reflection, historical reflection on the internment of Japanese Canadians during the Second World War. Trudeau appointed an Islamist activist as their boss. They haven't said a word about this hate. Same thing with the so-called anti-hate network. They haven't said a word about it. Of course not, because they support Hamas and Antifa. I'm worried about what's happening here in Canada. What happens overseas is of interest to me. Intellectually, it's of interest to me because I fear for World War III and I fear for the violence. But it's also of interest to me because Canada is no longer a fireproof home far away from flammable materials, as Senator Dan Duran said almost 100 years ago. We are going to cover other things, and we do cover other things. I myself have, of course, been focused on this issue. But as you know, uh, we have many reporters across this country covering different subjects every day. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.